It's another special on the British Broadcasting Century podcast, in no way linked to the present-day BBC. No, this is not by them. It's by me, Paul Carenza. Hello, telling you everything you never needed to know about how it all began, all these bits of broadcasting heritage that we take for granted. This time, what Marconi thought of broadcasting. Yes, he pretty much invented wireless, but he always thought of it as point-to-point, person-to-person, mano-a-mano, one-to-one. To you, to me. He was essentially a chuckle brother. All right, that's a little bit reductive. So broadcasting, though, as far as Marconi was concerned, was an offshoot of his invention that he resisted for quite some time. But Popular Wireless magazine interviewed the great pioneer in January 1923, when the BBC was just two months old. And we will let you know some of what Marconi said. Another great possibility that may arise from the inception of broadcasting is the effect of interesting a great many more people in the study of electricity and the science of wave motion. Plus more insights from that marvellous magazine, including for the first time ever on this podcast, some adverts. No, we've not gone commercial. No, 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 we rely on your support at patreon.com slash paulcarenza or coffee.com slash paulcarenza, ko-fi.com slash Paul Carenza. Thanks. All of that helps finance this enterprise. No commercials here. No, the adverts on this episode are all from Popular Wireless magazine, January 1923. These are text advertisements brought to vocal life by you, dear listeners. Some of you have lent your voices to help give us an insight into the world of broadcasting when it all kicked off. Because while the airwaves of the BBC were commercial-free by this point, although, as we've explored on the podcast, early 1922 had sponsorship by gramophone companies and the like, no, no, the printed publications were awash with adverts. Things like this. Everything for wireless is available at Leslie Dixon and Company. The best for all equipment, including Electrodix radios. There's a marvellous selection of dynamos and insulated wires at popular prices. Siemens and Western electric relays complete with contacts 2 and 6. A set of 7 rigid basket coils, only 7 and 6. Fixed condensers at 2 shillings. Wave meters for transmission from 300 to 3,000, £4. And from 130 to 9,000, £6, 10 shillings. We only have a few left, so do hurry. We have angle plotters housed in a handsome leather case for 8 and 6. Teak 13 by 12 by 5 panels with an ebonite top, only 10 shillings. And three valve amplifiers for £5. They're all available at Leslie Dixon and Company, 9 Colonial Avenue, Minerays E1, near Oldgate Station on the Metropolitan Railway. Plenty more ads to come and the words of Mark Hooney on this special of the British Broadcasting Century. Hello, hello, this is Paul Carenza calling. This is London Calling. Hello, hello, Paul here. A rather sniffle-tastic Paul here. Apologies if my cold in any way interferes with your enjoyment of this podcast. Hopefully it won't. So some specials for you between season two, that covered the BBC in 1922, and season three, that's going to cover the BBC in early 1923, up to their arrival at Savoy Hill in the spring of 23. Yes, we are telling the British broadcasting story the very slow way. So meanwhile, between seasons, we're immersing you in some underappreciated areas of the wireless world of that unique era of a century ago. Thank you for your kind words on the previous episode, uh, which really summed up everything from the last 36-odd episodes, all in one handy 45-minute kind of audio chunk. And welcome to new listeners as well. If you've just joined us, you can join any episode and pick up the tale from here. 
This time, we're going to be looking at what the inventor, really, of wireless thought of this offshoot of broadcasting that he never really foresaw. And we can bring you this thanks to a marvellous magazine called Popular Wireless that is no longer with us. It ceased publication in the 1930s. Now, enjoy this episode while you can, because I've done my best to tread the right line of rights. I can't find anyone who is the rights holder of Popular Wireless magazine. And I think it's public domain because it stopped in the 1930s and the articles we're quoting from are basically 100 years ago. But if at any moment I hear from someone claiming to own the rights to this fine old mag, I would, of course, gladly and hurriedly remove this episode from the podcast. So there is no copyright infringement intended, nor I think has any taken place. I think it's public domain. It's tricky to tell. Lawyers, get in touch. Help educate me. I only mean to quote from Popular Wireless magazine to immerse you in this wireless world of the early 20s. Like this little snippet from issue in December 1922. A Lincoln barber has installed a wireless receiver in his saloon in order that customers may listen in while being shaved. A radio on while you have your hair cut. Can you imagine? Or here's a longer nice little piece from the same magazine, a puntastic love letter from a lovelorn wireless amateur to his beloved. How many puns on early radio can you spot in this spoof love letter? A wireless proposal. Darling Kath, Ode, I am writing this in the hope that you will transform a portion of the earth into aerial realms for me. Since you switched on the battery of your charms and tuned in to my wavelength, I have thought of you with increasing frequency. The continuous waves of your personality are like lines of force from a magnetic field, the attraction keeping at high tension. If there is any potential difference in our natures, I am positive that in our own ohm we should run well in series. The power of your personality would act as a rectifier, and I should make no resistance. My soul is like a quenched spark, and I would vault over any quantity of obstacles. What your answer will be, I know not, and I listen in, hoping that it will not be in the negative. I hope you will decide, without reluctance, to change this phase, and we will let the parson make a tight coupling. Your Henry. The number of radio puns was 29. Did you spot them all? Yeah, I didn't get half those puns myself, but trust me, they're all relevant to early radio. So, Senatore Guglielmo Marconi, inventor of wireless, he had a hands-off attitude to his own Marconi company by the time of broadcasting's birth. And as we've heard previously, he and the Marconi bosses were rather sceptical of broadcasting. Largely, they were concerned as to how it could even earn an income. And of course, we are still working that one out. But thanks to his employee Arthur Burroughs particularly, and a few others, broadcasting boomed in Britain, but also globally. Marconi travelled to America, and he had this to say in the January 6th, 1923 issue of Popular Wireless. Senatore Marconi said that during his recent visit to America, he became familiar with the programmes of several of the broadcasting stations now operating in the United States, and was impressed by the number and variety of items that could claim an educational value. It was true, he believed, that the demand for lectures was much keener amongst the American people than was the case in England. But he was satisfied that if the British Broadcasting Company developed a really attractive educational programme, the British public would welcome it, and it would probably become the mainstay of the development. Senatore Marconi considered that variety, not merely in interests but in time of transmission for educational items, should be kept well in mind, in order that opportunity would be afforded for everyone to listen in in turn. He also considered that programmes should be published many days in advance of their performance, in order that listeners in might be given a fair opportunity of arranging their evenings in accordance with their tastes. So there you go, education and the idea for listings from Marconi at that point. Popular Wireless magazine was full of ads for radio sets. So, uh, it's time for a commercial break. 
TMC Wireless for football results. A TMC Wireless set will enable you to follow your favourite team and hear the results of each match practically as soon as the game is over. Or you may be interested in boxing, the latest news, stock exchange quotations, the weather forecast, delightful concerts, or an evening of dancing. You can have all these enjoyably and pleasurably in the comfort of your own home with a TMC wireless receiver. There is no trouble to you. TMC have engineers in every large town to advise you free of cost and without obligation as to the best apparatus to use. Your choice having been made, TMC engineers will install the apparatus and periodically inspect it. TMC wireless receivers, which are fully approved by the Postmaster General, bear the seal of the British Broadcasting Company. The wide variety of models are entirely British-made, from £4, 5 shillings upwards, including all royalties. London, Birmingham, Manchester and Newcastle are broadcasting now. Come and listen to them any evening up to 10pm at our showrooms. In London, Birmingham, Belfast, Bristol, Cardiff, Dublin, Glasgow, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle, Sheffield. Write to us for our nearest address. TMC makes wireless worthwhile. The The very latest loudspeaker giving perfect reproduction of the voice and music without mechanical noises. 120 ohms, £1.18 and 6. 2,000 and 4,000 ohms, £2.02 2 shillings. Postage, etc., 1 and 6 extra. The scientific supply stores. 126 Newington Causeway. Four doors from Elephant and Castle. And 8 Newington Causeway, opposite London Sessions. London, SE1. Phone, hop 4177. The Magnaphone! Needless to say, information was correct at the time of going to press, but it won't be now, so I wouldn't bother getting in touch with any of those wireless manufacturers or distributors. You may be charged for that stamp. Now, a few issues after that last article. January 27th, 1923, Marconi was back in popular wireless with a full-page interview. Now, in our timeline that we're telling on this podcast, this skips past a good few weeks. In that time, the BBC headquarters opens at Magnet House, that temporary workplace until Savoy Hill's ready. They've got the first operas being broadcast live from the Royal Opera House. That transforms how listeners experience and appreciate this new BBC. As Marconi acknowledges. The great inventor is a tall, dark and well-built man who appears to be ever searching into the future, trying to pierce farther and farther into the depths of the unknown. His face is that of a great dreamer, but a practical dreamer whose mind is ever active in conceiving plans whereby his visions may be materialised. I believe that in the future most homes will have their receiving sets and the reception of broadcasting will form a part of their daily life. He speaks slowly and distinctly, weighing each word carefully before he utters it. His whole demeanour, indeed, suggests the popular conception of him as one who has stepped paces in front of the general line of progress of his time, who thinks in the future and who has that grasp of practical possibilities that enables him to bring his dreams to earth. Senatore Marconi has no doubt in his mind that broadcasting has come to stay. In giving his ideas on the position of wireless telephony in the home, he said, It will be a great attraction and will provide an added source of interest to life. He believes that the educational side of this new application of his invention has immense possibilities. As ever, his mind is searching deeply into the future and is able to conceive developments in the science of wireless telephony which are far beyond the imagination of the mere listener in. 
More from Marconi after these messages. Shh, PCGG is through. It's a waste of time trying to tune continental or distant stations through inferior phones. Perhaps you've reconditioned headpieces. Often as not, they're pure junk. And however expensive and selective your set may be, dud phones won't pick out weak signals. Fit Ericsson phones. The services use them for their never-failing sensitivity and ability to stand up to the hardest test. The Admiralty adopted them as standard in 1909, the RAF in 1917. Easy to the head, robust in construction, delicate and sensitive in operation. Write tonight for free illustrated list. The British L.M. Ericsson Manufacturing Company Limited, International Building 67-73, Kingsway, WC2. The services use them. Two symbols. The first, a badge, inscribed with the letters BBC, surrounded by the words Type Approved by Postmaster General. The second, the signature G. Marconi, inscribed over a globe. When these two symbols appear in conjunction on a broadcasting receiver, no further recommendation is necessary. The one signifies that the instrument has been approved by the Postmaster General. The other tells you that the greatest brains in wireless have directed its manufacture. Look for both signs always. You will find them only on the Marconi phone, the triumph of the mastermind. Your local dealer can supply you. In case of difficulty, apply to Marconi's Wireless Telegraph Company Limited. Marconi Phone Department, Marconi House, Strand, London, WC2. From the 99-year-old popular wireless to a more modern magazine, this week's Radio Times. Here's me in a car park, having excitedly seen it on the shelves. I just wanted to do a special welcome to new people who've joined us via the Radio Times. Yes, we were delighted to be the Radio Times featured podcast of the week. Of all publications, the Radio Times. I mean, come on. We are looking forward to the history of the Radio Times in about 20 episodes. Time, the Radio Times, such a key part of broadcasting history. It was a nice article promoting this podcast, talking about the British Broadcasting Century and what we're doing. Especially, it featured three female pioneers of radio. Nice big pictures there of Winifred Sayer, Helena Malay and Gertrude Donisthorpe. I didn't know they were going to go big on the female pioneers of radio, which is great that they did. If you have joined this podcast thinking, brilliant, we are only going to hear about female pioneers of radio, then I apologise for the fact that we have uh, lots of men involved as well. But we have been very eager to talk about and promote the key role that was taken by women back in the early 1920s and indeed before. For example, Gertrude Donisthorpe, who we talked about in episode 23. Go back and listen to that episode to hear all about Gertrude Donisthorpe's story. And I particularly love seeing that picture because that's not out there on the internet anywhere at all. They've uncovered that from a BBC filing cabinet somewhere. First DJ ever of any gender in this country, technically playing gramophone records in the First World War. It's actually from a bigger picture of Gertrude Donisthorpe and Elizabeth Cowell, who was the BBC's first female announcer and was one of those officially launching the television service in November of 1936. It's a lovely bigger picture, which I would love to share with you, but for rights reasons, it's the BBC's. And it's Gertrude Donisthorpe, Elizabeth Cowell, two great broadcasting pioneer women. You also see in that Radio Times article, Helena Millay, a picture of her. You can find her story on episode 16. And I also wanted to flag up, you can find Winifred Sayer's story on episode three. There's a lovely picture there of Winifred Sayer. 
That picture sort of belongs to Tim Wonder and Andy Stevens, who did the colouring. Head to Tim Wonder's website, marconibooks.co.uk. Tim Wonder is the governor when it comes to books on broadcasting history, especially Marconi's. From Marconi to Melba, that's his latest, and it's a marvellous one. He has a new book out in 2022. We'll tell you more about it here. And Andy Stevens, who did the colouring of that lovely picture of Winifred Sayer. Find him on YouTube, CRH News. That's a great resource for videos of Marconi history. CRH News. Links for all of that in the show notes. Anyway, thank you, Radio Times. Now back to Paul from a few days earlier, who had no idea this Radio Times article was about to come out, although he had chatted to them a few weeks before, so he was kind of hoping. Thanks. Senatore Marconi hopes that the interests of thousands will be stimulated by the advent of broadcast telephony, and that it will give rise to a really scientific interest in the minds of many who at present are content with just the bare accomplished facts. Without any desire to probe further in the subject, or to fully realise all the mysteries that lie beyond these coils and condensers that make up their apparatus. In expressing this hope, Senatore Marconi said, Another great possibility that may arise from the inception of broadcasting in the homes of the country is that it will have the effect of interesting a great many more people in the study of electricity and the science of wave motion. <clears throat> well, I'm not quite sure in 2021 if that's actually happened yet or not. Returning to the more material and general side of the subject, he pointed out that, with the added source of interest and amusement into the home life of the people, by means of wireless telephony, there would be created a closer bond between the members of families. I think another effect which may be of great value, and I believe has been found so in many cases, will be that the fascination of wireless telephony reception, added to the interest in hearing the musical programme, and of course the news, will help a great deal in keeping the young folk at home during the evenings. I believe it will prove a great advantage in that respect, as the younger members of the families will be able to have their music and entertainment they desire, without having to go out to places of amusement for it. For dance purposes, broadcasting has great scope, and many homes far from a large town may thus enjoy a really good jazz band, which would, of course, be impossible otherwise unless special journeys to the large cities were made. Really good bands are naturally few, and these are only to be found in the leading cities of a country. You're listening to the British Broadcasting Century, a podcast with no ads, apart from this. The Ensign two-valve receiver. Reliable, efficient, selective. Price, including royalties, £19, 17 shillings and sixpence. The ideal receiver for reception of broadcast. Price, with all accessories including valves, Brown's featherweight phones, 6-volt accumulator, 60-volt HT battery and aerial equipment, £15, 19 shillings, carriage paid. Right for list. The Ensign Radio Company, 15 Strand, London WC2. Telephone, Gerard 6703. Complete. Aristophone Panel 52 is essentially the complete receiver. You can quickly and readily listen to the broadcasting, shipping, aeroplane, telephony, amateurs and the usual high power stations. You can listen on two, three or four valves as you desire. And if you wish to obtain particularly loud reproduction, you can use power valves in the last two valve holders. You will also appreciate both batteries being self-contained within the case. The only external leads are the aerial and earth. Wherever you live, Panel 52 will give you satisfactory reception from at least one broadcasting station and probably the choice of three. Panel 52 is entirely British-made and approved by the Postmaster General. A great discovery. The American Atmospherics Absorber. 
for use in wireless telephony and telegraphy. It's a boon to all wireless amateurs. Can be attached to any set, either crystal, single or the multi-valve. Eliminates atmospheric noises in the phones. Each one is tested by experts. Users declare this to be the most epoch-making discovery. Price, 17 and 6, post free. Trade inquiries are solicited. Guarcarum Specialities, Aversrod, Golkar, Uddersfield. While we've been enjoying the concerts and news, and now lately the opera, transmitted from the broadcasting stations, Senatore Marconi has been pushing on with a view to still further harness the ether to the service of mankind. Much has been accomplished by wireless in the way of providing safety for vessels at sea, and lately for aircraft, Senatore Marconi has been conducting experiments in another field of research. He's decided that the ether is getting congested, and that shorter wavelengths could be employed to ease the crush, as it were. In doing this, it's been found that shortwave wireless has wonderful directional properties. Owing to these properties, it will be extremely useful for guiding ships and aircraft. Giving his view on the matter, Senatore Marconi said, With regard to the short wave tests that have been carried out, I think that the very short waves will be mainly useful in directional wireless. They will provide a great help in the future to ships in narrow waterways, coming round rocky coasts and passing up tortuous channels, and of course in fogs. At the conclusion of the conversation, Senatore Marconi discussed the present broadcasting. He said that he thought the hours of transmission might be arranged somewhat differently. Personally, I always have to miss the 8 to 9 o'clock portion of the concert, and I expect a good many people dining at that hour do the same. I should think that if transmission took place during the periods between 7 and 8 o'clock, and between 9 and 11, it would be suitable for everyone, and those who could not listen in between 8 o'clock and 9 would not have to miss any of the concert. Of course, the bedtime stories for the children would have to be sent early, but I'm thinking of the evening concerts. Thank you, Mr Marconi. And thank you to all of our voices behind our radio ads, converted from text ads from Popular Wireless. You heard Alan Stafford, Andrew Barker, Gordon Bathgate, Neil Jackson, Paul Hayes, Philip Rowe, Richard Kenny, Love G. Daliwal, and Wayne Clark. And my children, who had even less of an idea about angle plotters and basket coils than I did, to be honest. If this episode has taught me anything, it's that I know far less about how radio worked in the 1920s than I thought. Have you understood all of these commercials? Well done, you. Listen in with the Fellows Handphone, specially designed for ladies. It has no headband to catch or tear the hair. Beautifully finished, very comfortable for use, and wound to 4,000 ohms. Handphone, 15 and threepence each, inclusive of all taxes. Postage, one shilling. He will use Fellows headphones with two earpieces in light die-cast non-ringing metal and wound to 4,000 ohms. Headphone 21 and sixpence per pair, inclusive of all taxes. Postage, one shilling. All Fellows radio instruments are British-made throughout and guaranteed from Fellows Magneto Company Limited. For they are jolly good fellows. Before we go, a few short words on the freshly announced British Broadcasting Centenary. Now we are into the centenary year. Present day BBC, with which of course this is nothing to do, they have finally announced their BBC 100 season. All of the programming they've got lined up in 2022 to celebrate 100 years of the Beeb. Now long term listeners will know I've been eagerly awaiting this. And in fact, I've been eagerly pitching to be part of it. Now I see they've got Dimbleby fronting their main documentary on the history of the BBC. Fair enough. 
you get Dimbleby, you don't need Carenza. So let's have a quick look then at what else they've got lined up. We'll leave behind the fact that they've got specials of Strictly and Doctor Who and Top Gear, which I used to write for. I'm just dropping that one in. Not anymore. Uh, Master Chef, The Apprentice, Antiques Roadshow, they'll all be marking the centenary in their own way. Uh, David Dimbleby, as I say, is fronting a very British history that's uh, looking at the impact of the Beeb over the last hundred years, particularly in more recent decades, it would seem. More in our wheelhouse, you've got the journalist John Bridcut, who's doing a show called BBC's First 50 Years. So that'll be nice. All about the early decades of British broadcasting, looking at the Reef era and up to the Second World War, I imagine. That'll be a two-part feature-length documentary, which I imagine will be on BBC Two. Radio 3 also, I think, will be a bit of a home for people who like this podcast. They will be enjoying the Sonic Century, looking at 100 years of audio in particular as well as just radio because of course as we've said countless times on this podcast British broadcasting it's not just about the BBC it's really about the launch of broadcast audio and a new way to enjoy things that before that were gramophone records and playing the piano at home with all the family gathered round so Radio 3 will be looking into that February 11th to February 13th, that weekend, which they've not mentioned in the press release, but of course that's the 100th anniversary of the first regular British broadcasts, the pre-BBC shows from Rittle in Essex, with Peter Eckersley and co on 2MT Rittle. So it does look like maybe Radio 3 are zooming in on that weekend in February. And it's worth noting, if you head to Chelmsford itself in person, away from the BBC, you will find radio historian and author Tim Wonder, friend of the show, doing some marvellous things in that second weekend in February, over in Chelmsford, and maybe even in Rittle itself. If you're new to the podcast and don't know the significance of Rittle, see earlier episodes, or even last episode, for details. Over on Radio 4, you've got Greg Jenners doing a show called Past Forward, picking a random moment from the BBC's archive and then jetting forward to see how that affects the present day. An area of particular interest to me, as I've been pitching a dramatisation of this entire origin story, uh, is a Radio 4 drama called The Battle of Savoy Hill, five-part account of Hilda Matheson versus John Reith. Now, I'm writing a novel about this at the minute, but that's one small part of the novel I'm writing. I've also got Arthur Burroughs and Peter Eckersley and the launch of broadcasting. Oh, so much more. Uh, but this particular area of Matheson versus Reith is one we will get to chronologically on the podcast, but I, for one, will be tuning into the Battle of Savoy Hill, which I believe lands in March. In lighter areas, you've got Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse doing a show called The Love Box in Your Living Room. Looks rather a made-up history of the BBC, wouldn't put too much weight into that. But more accurately, you've got Horrible Histories with the BBC's big birthday bonanza. Uh, looking at sort of key moments over BBC history, including Bill and Bear and Blue Peter and all those sorts of chaos that they can bring to life in animated form. Connie Huck's got a lovely documentary lined up called Here's One I Made Earlier, all about the history of children's programming. As we've talked about many times on this podcast, the launch of the Children's Hour. And I really hope they zoom in on A.E. Thompson and Percy Edgar in Birmingham and the tales of that toy cat that meant Uncle Thompson brought to life the first children's stories for the BBC. I thought up the idea of a blue cat with yellow spots. I thought that ought to interest them. And I used to relate just what Susan had been up to during the day to the children, you see. And uh, they seemed to like that very much, except the small boys. And I started getting letters from small boys saying, Dear Uncle Tom, couldn't we have some stories about a dog, please? Because cats are for girls. Anyway, if the present-day Auntie Beebster needs to call on the British Broadcasting Century, they know where we are. Meanwhile, they'll do what they do, we will do what we do, celebrating the origin story, not just of the BBC, but broadcasting as a whole. 
the medium and invention of radio, the art and ingenuity of mass communication. It's no biggie. Do join our Facebook group, The British Broadcasting Century. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a Twitter profile as well, at BB Century. And you can join in with all this geekery as we embrace the British Broadcasting Centenary. So that's it for this special. One more special next time before we embark on season three. So next time, nearly Christmas as I record this. So a Christmas special on some broadcasting gold and frankincense and myrrh. Through the ages, courtesy of author and Christmas fan Ben Baker. If you want the lowdown on Christmas 1922, of course, you need to listen to last year's Christmas special of the podcast, episode 20. Link in the show notes to that. If you want to feel super Christmassy, you can get Ben Baker's new book on Christmas TV. And may I recommend my book, Hark! The Biography of Christmas, the festive history book that you need this Christmas and every Christmas. Order your copy now. In fact, if you order it direct from me, I will even sign it for you or to a name of a person of your choosing who you may wish to give it to for Christmas. Link in the show notes too, of course. It's in paperback or audiobook. And next time we'll delve into Christmas. Ho, ho, hello, hello. Last word from Popular Wireless Magazine then. This is a poem that featured in their December 9th, 22 issue. It's about a wife at home concerned that her husband is staying out a little too much. Long into the night she sat watching, the fire that but feebly burned, the hour of midnight solemnly told, but yet he had not returned. What could she do to keep him at home, keep him away from that club? While love springs eternal, hope will not die. Traps must be set for that hub. But now you'll find him always at home, and proudly to you he'll own that he's never been out since the day she bought him a radio phone. The British Broadcasting Century is presented and produced by me, Paul Carenza. Cabinets and cases in polished mahogany or teak, quotations per return. Jay Lancaster and Son Limited, 87 Parade, Birmingham. Original music by Will Farmer. Huge thanks this episode to Popular Wireless Magazine and its hardy band of journalists and editors. All the way back there in the 1920s. No rights infringements are intended at all. It all belongs to the people that it belongs to, whoever they are. I have tried to find out, and I'm clueless. Either way, it's not us. If you'd like to read the issue of Popular Wireless Magazine, worldradiohistory.com is where you'll find it. We'll put that link in the show notes. Stay subscribed, informed, educated, and entertained, and join us next time for a Christmas special of the British Broadcasting Century.